It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hi again, everybody. It's time for Three Point Podcast, episode 176. I'm Ted Vitell of Z92.5 with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Vitell of Bally Sports Detroit. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association of Michigan, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, the Owasso Speedway, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and our recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. Also, we want to welcome our newest partner, Kendall Drugs in Corona. They now are the hometown drugstore of the Cavalier Nation, giving you that personal extra service at competitive prices. Well, boys, last night was a golden night for Yanis on the golden anniversary of the Bucks' last championship. And this week's, the Tigers are again playing some solid baseball, winning five in a row as we record this here on July 21st. We'll get into this, maybe a little entertainment tonight also, but first let's play a little catch up. Where do we want to start? I'll just throw mine out. It's, I'm going to tease it. we got a big entertainment uh, segment coming later on in the show. As you guys know, I'm a huge, huge LeBron fan, so I had to see Space Jam 2 mm-hmm. opening weekend, and I'll just leave it at this. It's flat-out horrendous. <laughs> flat-out horrendous. Wow. Uh, so I'll give you, I, can, I could go on a five-minute soliloquy about all the wrongs in this movie, but I'll just save it for the entertainment segment. But is that, does that surprise you guys? No, it doesn't surprise I, me. It, see, it does surprise me a little bit, just because, like, like what you said, you're such a big LeBron fan. I thought maybe you would have went into it knowing it's gonna be cheesy. They're not making this movie to be like Oscar worthy, so it's it's a Space Jam movie. LeBron's playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. Like I thought you would have went into it with that and just tried to enjoy it. But I'd, yeah, I've seen like I know we'll talk about it more in entertainment. I'm curious to hear your complete Rotten Tomatoes assessment. Yeah. But I've seen like both ways. I've seen some people say like it's really entertaining. It's great. And then the complete other side. There's like no middle ground, basically. Well, that's a People good. People either say like they really enjoyed it, or it was absolute trash. Well, that is a good tease for a little later, and yeah. and I guess I I do requalify my comment. I guess Jared going in, I would have thought you would have liked it no matter what. So it must be pretty bad. That's the thing, yeah. And this is the last <laughs> thing I'll say on it. Yeah, going in, I was 100 percent minded. The first few minutes, that they did like a LeBron James. You know, if you remember, start of Space Jam it was basically like a highlight of right. Michael Jordan's career. That was awesome. Yeah. So it came out swinging. Uh, but when I say it was at the top of the roller coaster, roller coaster at that point, it just went straight down. That's what it did right after that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'll be curious to hear your rating scale on our three point podcast. I hope it's not. Zero thumbs up, zero out of three. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll be curious to hear. So yeah, we're. I, I'm. Well, I was telling you guys off air that I've been this week is uh, SEC Media Days, and I've been my crew calls been for the morning shift. I've been in at five thirty all week, and it continues through the week. So it's just kind of crazy. I know Ted, you're used to work waking up early. You talk about you wake up early. Yeah, I'm an early guy. DVR. Yep. First thing in the morning. 
for me though, I mean, I have to wake up early with my daughter, but not, I mean, my alarm's been going off at 4.30 all week. So Ouch. that's a bit of a change. So, you know, like adjusting your body and your sleep schedule to that, I mean, uh, Maybe I'm just not to that age yet where I just like automatically wake up at 5 a.m. every day. It'll it'll come, believe me. That's I have <laughs> That's no crazy. alarm. I never have to use an alarm. But let me ask this: We you know we've been getting into your guys' uh, media careers. So you're up at 4:30 in the morning. Now, what are you doing? You got to be at the studio at 5:30, and and what are you doing at that time in the morning? Yeah, so we our crew calls at 5:30, and the first show that we have this week is um, it's called SEC this morning. It's a it's a simulcast. It's a radio show and a TV show, you know, like all the stuff mm-hmm. that you see now on, on TV. But we get there at 530 just to, like, fax everything out, you know, turn everything on, make sure make sure the control room's working, make sure, you know, the feed to, to site because it's down in Alabama, make sure, you know, all that's working, make sure the mics are working, the cameras. You know, you do all that for, you know, a couple hours before the show comes on, make sure everyone's ready. I have to edit a bunch of stuff usually before, make sure all the graphics are ready, you know, basically just, like, prep the show get everything ready so when when the lights come on you're not like oh nothing's working <laughs> so yeah I, matt so you're kind of you're a sec guy i just saw today like right as i was pulling into the studio so i'm not even sure if you've had the chance to see this but texas and oklahoma are apparently making a big push to try to join like the sec what's like kind of the scuttlebutt around there about that yeah i mean that's uh, it's been the talk for really for a few months and really actually for a couple of years oklahoma's been talking about it but Texas hasn't been just because they have their own network. They have the Longhorn Network. Yeah. So, you know, they've been fine with their own network. But honestly, like, it seems like the, I guess, the rumors, the speculation is with the potential expanded playoff, Oklahoma and Texas are thinking, since the playoff is going to be expanding, let's join the SEC and get all that SEC money since we'll still have a shot to get to the playoff yeah. even if we lose a game or two. But we'll be playing an SEC schedule making a ton of money, you know, playing Alabama and LSU and Auburn every single year. And, you know, the Big 12, yes, there's the Longhorn Network, but there's not a Big 12 network. So they're probably thinking, like, let's join up and basically get in on that SEC money. Money, money, money. You know, speaking of Alabama, how about their quarterback? I just saw Saban came out and said he's going to make probably over a million dollars in the endorsement deals. And, and that's a backup quarterback. I think it was I think it was over 100,000. Is what he's already made. But yeah, like you said, I'm projecting okay. by the time he's a starter and by the time oh, you know 3 4 years down the road, there's no I don't see how he couldn't make a million dollars. It's it's crazy the amount of money that's getting thrown at some of these kids. And it's what's funny is I don't even know who that guy is. I didn't know who he was until this story came out, but yet apparently these companies and probably down Matt's way, they know who this guy is, and they're like 100%, let's get on this guy's train now because as soon as he's a starting quarterback at Alabama, he's going to be worth a million dollars. Well, yeah, that's it. Nick Saban, he was, his day was today at Media Days, and so obviously he was asked that. And he did say, like, it was approaching seven figures, so that's whatever what that thought. means. You know, who oh, knows? So I, but, wow. I mean, his name, the kid's <laughs> name is Bryce Young. <laughs> yeah. He is Alabama's starter this year, so he is. Uh, the starting quarterback for for Alabama, he came in as, like, the next Tua. You know, he was supposed to be the next Jalen Hurts, and everyone's saying, like, he's better than Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, he came in with a ton of fanfare, a ton of, you know, hype and everything, and that's what Saban actually said that today. He was like, these kids, you know, yes, they some of them have built a brand. You know, they have a big social media following or, you know, whatever, someone like Zion or, you know, stuff like that. But the big thing is obviously – being the starting quarterback at Alabama. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're the starting quarterback at Alabama, some a bunch of companies are going to throw a ton of money your way because of that. So, yeah, you might make money off of your personal brand. But, I mean, even Michigan, if you're the starting quarterback at Michigan, you yeah. can make a ton of money just off of that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Oh, to say the very least. Now, the more important question is, did any of the reporters at that presser call Nick Nick? Or did they all call him Coach? No, they did. And actually, yeah, it was funny because today, uh, one of the reporters, when he got up to ask the question, he, he that's how he started it. He said it was someone, one of the beat reporters in Alabama, who obviously probably has a personal sure. relationship with Saban. He said that. He said, he said, I'm going to call you Nick, okay? Is that okay? And Saban just, he probably, Saban probably doesn't even know the whole Dion story. Like, oh, yeah. he probably didn't even pay attention to that. But so someone, one of the other reporters counted it up through his whole, uh, his whole time at the podium. He got called Nick like 27 times or something <laughs> like that and never snapped. It was just the, the whole Dion thing was really weird, like getting offended because someone didn't call him coach. It was, it was just weird. Yeah, what's your guys' take on that? Because I, I, I agree. I mean, wh- why is he getting bent out of shape over that? 
it's I think that um, the majority of sane people have the same opinion as you. Yeah, people just love their Alabama football. I mean, Nick Saban, he's God down there, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking at the end about of the day, Deion no, it's Sanders. a joke. Oh, De- or what is the? I he's guess the I'm, one that got offended because a reporter called him Dion instead of Coach, and he walked out of a press conference. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a joke. Deion Sanders, dude, get a grip. For for one, like you're basically one of the only people that's on like a first name. Like when you just say the word Dion, you like he's who? the only guy that has that name. Uh, and dude, you're a coach of a like I don't even SWAC, yeah. right? Like what a joke. If Nick Saban's out here getting called Nick, dude, you definitely don't get called Coach Sanders. Yeah, well, that, that's what made it even look more ridiculous. Is he said like to the reporter Dion did the the reporter he said like you wouldn't address. Coach Saban as Nick, he would cuss you out. So you need to address me as Coach Coach Sanders. And then, like I said, the reporter today at Media Days counted it up and said, "Oh, by the way, Saban was called Nick like 27 times and did not snap." So I think it was definitely. I mean, we all know Deion Sanders has maybe one of the biggest egos in the history of the NFL, which is fine. He's in the Hall of Fame and everything, but I think it was more of an ego thing than anything. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk some NBA here in a minute. I'll just get. People kind of caught up at my world here this last week or weekend. Uh, I have my oldest granddaughter and her mom in town staying with us for uh, Amy's in town for eight days total, which is fun. But it is complete mayhem at my house. I will tell you that with a three-year-old running all over the place with that three-year-old energy. You know what that's like, Matt. Yep. <laughs> but it's yeah, fun. Did you, have to, like, did you have to, like, baby-proof everything and... Well, we did, but it's on all your drawers and your cabinets and stuff. You kind of, but it really didn't do much good. I mean, and and you know, when <laughs> you when you when you got company coming over, we had company coming over last Saturday, and we had a cookout. Uh, Jessica with the other two granddaughters were over, so all three of them got to hang together, and the the two three year olds are now all of a sudden best pals. You know, one lives in D.C. and one lives in Detroit, but they're best friends now all of a sudden, which is cool to see. It was fun. Do you where are you at in like the you saying how it's like kind of been a lot with them being here they're mm-hmm. both th- kind of in what i've heard is like the terrible twos like the threes like kind of the worst time like for to have kids or whatever they're right in the middle of that are, both of them so are you sort of not wishing time away but are you kind of excited for the light at the end of the tunnel when they're like <laughs> six seven years old uh, n- eh, not really it's more on the parents you know as being a grandparent i don't have to deal with that on a regular basis day to day would be awful tough and you, I, I don't know if you went through it matt if if claire she went through that when she was two or three but when you try to tell them something then they don't they want to do the complete opposite you know they don't want to listen to anything you got to say yeah that's probably the best part of being a grandparent when when that those little meltdowns or you know when that stuff happens you just back away and walk out to the pontoon and let <laughs> Let mom and dad deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> or in that case, I go down in the basement to my computer. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but all in all, it's been, it's been good to have them in town. And, uh, you know, we always love our family time. Jared and I got our on-away trip coming up yep. right around the corner. So we'll talk more about that down the road. But you think right now we ought to maybe get into some NBA talk after this next spot? I think we should. Let's uh, Let's talk some NBA finals. I think we have a few thoughts on that right after this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Hankard Sportswear provides a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing store with many loyal customers, 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always has Karana, Owasso, and St. Paul School Spirit items in stock. Special items are available for family, sports, business, and charity events. Call 989-725-2979, stop into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at hankered.sportswear. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. 
you'll do better with Sheridan. All right, so I just kind of want the floor for a minute or two here to talk. You guys know Matt kind of hates CB3, but he is my guy, favorite player ever, him and LeBron, 1A, 1B. Uh, let me just be the first one to say it. I know Matt's probably going to you know, be rolling his eyes at this. Chris Paul inspired me this year. Uh, how does he not inspire oh, you? If, if you? If you look at what happened, so let's just go back. Let's rewind the clocks three years, right? He gets hurt in uh, game six against the Warriors after he, you know, he makes a huge step back three in Steph Curry's face, dances in his face. They go up 3-2. We know how that series ended. He ends up losing. You're lying if you didn't think that that was the last chance Chris Paul had at a legitimate title. Uh, and then last year, we, we rerun it back again in the bubble. Somehow, you know, when Billy Donovan, or excuse me, the GM pulled aside Chris Paul and said, hey, basically we're bringing you to Oklahoma City just for a, like kind of a rental. You're really not going to play. We're going to give you a minute restriction. We're basically tanking. And Chris Paul said, basically, F that. Like, I'm playing. And they go on to make the playoffs, and they almost beat uh, the Rockets, who traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook and basically just – said you're out man like you're the problem with this team not James Harden not anyone else uh, and he almost wins that series uh, and if you remember how that ended last year uh, it's a lot like this this series where the final shot did was not in Chris Paul's hands and I don't know if that's because if that's how he wants it or or not but it was the same exact thing with that Thunder game seven final shot he didn't take it they lost I thought okay that was the last chance we had at sort of a Chris Paul moment where we could have said hey good job Somehow, some way, he's back in the finals, makes this whole miraculous playoff run. He gets to the finals. He's old. He's getting hurt left and right, somehow still playing. He has two really bad games in the finals, follows it up with two of the best games of his career, playing you know very well, super efficient, 25 points basically in both games, 10 assists in both. I just got to say, I, I never thought I'd see him in this position, and to see him finally get to you know the top, uh, the last series that you can do it as an NBA finals uh, NBA player, I, I just loved it. And I know he didn't end up winning it, and I know that we're going to remember this as basically those two bad games he had and the 2-0 lead that they had, that they surrendered. But for me as a CP3 fan, I mean, this was more than I ever could have asked for two years ago. And I'm just glad that he had those, you know, that month kind of rose ceremony where everyone was kissing his feet. And I'm just inspired by him. All I can say, just flat out inspiring that he never quit. He never gave up on himself. Everyone gave up on him but himself. And yet he somehow still roasted the occasion made to the finals. I'm glad that uh, you're so sentimental about Chris Paul. I mean, uh, I'll correct you, though. People down the road are not going to think about this series as anything to do with Chris Paul. This was the Giannis series, the Giannis coming out series. You know, I will say this about Chris Paul, and I will say this about the Suns. And I also got to give you some credit. The last podcast, you know, when uh, Milwaukee won game three, you said you didn't like the feel of it. You thought the momentum had completely shifted. And apparently it did because they won four straight, three after that. Suns didn't help themselves either, though. I mean, your point guard there had a crucial turnover, you know, in game four. And I thought they had a, a, a crucial coaching mistake myself. I said it right when it happened. I know it sounds like after the fact now, but in uh, in Game 5, why didn't they call a timeout at the end of that game? They had a timeout left. Either come up with a play where Paul has the ball, yeah. maybe you get it to Booker, but that last play was a disaster for them. You win one of those two games, we might be talking about a whole different series yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're definitely right, Ted. With, I think the main thing when you look back at the series, it's going to be Giannis really took over and yeah kind of and he's already won a couple MVPs so it's kind of weird to say like this is his coming out party but this is like yeah maybe his true coming out party where it was like okay this dude's on another level he's not just like winning MVPs just regular season he now did it in the finals he's got his ring he did it in Milwaukee of all places so I think that's going to be the main thing but I don't think you you can't like not look at the other side. The Suns were up 2-0, yep. and the Bucks were really kind of reeling. Like, yeah, Giannis had that big game too, but, you know, the Bucks weren't looking that good. I mean, people were wondering about Coach Bud and, like, is Middleton going to show up and is Giannis actually going to win a couple games? And I don't know how you can't look at it and say, like, if you're supposed to be the point god and people are, you know, during that rose ceremony like you're talking about, Jared, talking about Chris Paul – as one, he's they're putting him up there with Magic, with Isaiah Thomas, and you know those guys. And if you're that good, you don't lose four straight to the Bucks. No. I mean, I don't care. Like that game back in Phoenix, you don't lose that game. I know you're the point guard, and Booker is kind of more like your go-to scorer. But no, you take over. Isaiah Thomas took over those games when he needed to, even with like busted up ankles yeah. and stuff. So no, he's he's not up there with Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. 
which which is okay. Those are some of the greatest point guards ever. Chris Paul's more He's on the good. like Steve Nash level, you know, down there with like John Stockton and stuff. Really good point guards, but can't get it done. You can't ignore it. You just list it off with your with your whole soliloquy at the beginning, <laughs> like four or five series where they were leading and Chris, Chris Paul couldn't finish it off. Yeah. So like you can't like discount being up two zero in the series against the Bucks, where they're kind of in the in the point where like you could really win this series. All you got to do is win one game in Milwaukee, and then the series is basically done. And you couldn't do it. You lost four straight. So yes, I think it's more about Giannis, but you can't say that Chris Paul like. Like I don't know how you're like inspired by him. I would I'm be inspired. Like, uninspired by him. <laughs> Here's dude is supposed to be one of the greatest point guards ever, and he just keeps blowing it. No, you're right. It, here's what I, I here's kind of a funny thing I was thinking of. He's got the nickname Point God. You, you can't be Point God when you never have won a title. No. I'd say it. It is a ding on his resume, and it's a ding on everybody's resume. I mean, Charles Barkley. Every time he says something to a player, they, the first thing they say back to him is, "Dude, you never rings? won a title." Yeah. With that being said, this is maybe a hot take before we get into Giannis. Uh, he he did inspire me, Matt. You can't take that from my own brain. He inspired me, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, but going back, like you said, game five, that last possession. Yes, Booker was cooking forty points. Just something about me. Just man, you got this Hall of Fame point guard. This is his time. Like this is the only time he has to win this series or lose it. And it's it's a legacy game, legacy possession. The three possessions before that, he had scored eight in a row. Big three from the top of the key over Pat Connaughton. Uh, and then he had the fall away on the baseline, but maybe the best shot of the series, like where it went 20 feet in the air over Giannis. Uh, and then he had the play they were running for Booker where he just spun away and laid it up over Pat Connaughton again. And then Booker hit that three, and they were down by one. I just – maybe I'm crazy. I want the ball in the hands of a Hall of Fame point guard. Uh, r- like you said, maybe they're still running a play for Booker, but I just want the ball in his hands. Uh, Booker is 26 years old. Booker is good. One, he's not on Kobe's level. He even admitted that himself, so let's stop making those comparisons. He's just not the same athlete. But I just wanted the ball in Chris Paul's hands, and maybe that's just me as a selfish CP3 fan. That's why I'm asking you guys. I know hindsight's twenty twenty. We probably wouldn't predicted Booker to turn it over. But just me, when that was happening, as it was going down the stretch, I just wanted the ball in his hands, and they didn't do that. That's kind of my point. Not, not to cut you off, Ted, but you would be the one. That definitely knows. I mean, I remember watching the bad boys. I was pretty young for those those back-to-back titles. But I do remember watching them a little bit. But those are games that, yes, Dumars was big. Vinny Johnson was big. But you know, Ted, those are games that Isaiah Thomas would take over, Magic Johnson would take over and win. And I know, like you said, Jared, they would they were drawing a place for Booker. But at some point, I mean, the point God has got to take those games yeah. over. So yeah. that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Matt. And, and frankly – you know, looking at the entirety of Isaiah Thomas's career and the way he played in those clutch situations, I mean, if you look at all-time greatest NBA point guards, you got to have him and Magic one A, one B, and it's hard to discern between the two of them. I guess you probably give Magic the edge just because of more championships, but look, the Bad Boys—they very easily could have won three, four, or five championships in that era. They were just that close to win in another yeah. three. So uh, it was a it was a great, great uh, era of basketball and watching Isaiah Thomas play. But, guys, we got we to gotta get this on the table. We're going to talk about Giannis right now. And what the face of the NBA the last 15 years has been LeBron James. I think we're all yeah. pretty much in agreement there. But now have we seen the passing of the torch? Does it look like it's Giannis, the face of the NBA now? I mean, from what I see, I would say 100%. I, I'll, if you remember when the Lakers lost and – let me just first throw this out there. I feel like kind of guilty not admitting this. You were saying how like I kind of guessed this series perfectly. If you remember when the Suns went up 2-0, I had I also said the Bucks are the worst team to ever you make the NBA that, finals. Yes. <laughs> which at the time, I like I honestly 100% felt that way. Uh I didn't expect Giannis to become LeBron overnight like he did. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I because it would, with the way LeBron went out this year, it was sort of like a measly like he just couldn't we basically saw Giannis do what LeBron couldn't do in series number one where Giannis had very little help around him yes he had Middleton he had these other guys but it's not like LeBron's Lakers teams was nothing and they just rolled over and let Phoenix basically run away with that series after Anthony Davis went out went out whereas Giannis basically said I'm gonna score 50 every time I line up against these guys and there's nothing they can do about it and here's the thing about Giannis Bill Simmons had the stake so this is an original he basically said that the best thing that could have happened in the NBA this year was for the Bucks to win it because they're a homegrown team. Giannis is the homegrown superstar who said, I'm not leaving this team, whereas everyone else is jumping ship and joining super teams. Mm-hmm. He did it the right way. And I think the thing that's crazy about Giannis and why he is the face of the league is because everyone loves him. 
Who doesn't love How this could guy? you not? How love could you him? not? There, that's the thing that's crazy about it. There's really no way not to love him. Right. The only point I was at, I, I never like disliked him, you know, because I mean he's just such a like fun, likable guy. I just always wondered he kept winning these MVPs and then like would lose in the playoffs. So I was just always to the point like, all right, he's he's winning MVPs. He's one of the best players. But like, is he ever actually going to be good enough to win a title? So obviously now he did, and he turned it on to a level that was like ridiculous. He got what was it, game three? Middleton did drop forty. Yeah. So I mean, like he did get some help from Middleton. And uh, some, even Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is coming up with some big shots and stuff, so he got a little bit of help. But he like he put up a 50-piece, you know, last night. So like it was it was mostly Giannis just absolutely dominating, and he was hitting his free throws. So yeah. like he he really like almost transformed his game during the finals. So I mean, definitely definitely impressive. And your guy, Coach Bud, Jared. I mean, you have to wonder if they like you have to give the coaches some credit for the adjustments that they made because. In those first two games, you know, Booker and really Chris Paul and, and really like Jay Crowder even and some yeah. other guys, I mean, they were going off. And you have to wonder if they basically said like, I don't like make, I saw an article that said like you can tell the Bucks are making the Suns take tougher shots. And, you know, maybe that's a defensive adjustment that the coaches made for the Bucks or something like that. But, I mean, the, the Bucks, it, it looked like two different series, game one and two versus the four that the Bucks won. It was like two different series, but – I mean, it's impressive. No. I think one thing, too, maybe it's just me because we're like, it just happened. I know we were like talking about how we really liked the Suns and we were kind of excited to see them in the finals, wanted to see them play. It's hard for me. Maybe they got exposed a little bit. Maybe they weren't as good as we thought. Because, like, when you think about the Clippers didn't have Kawhi, the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray, like you just said, the Lakers were banged up, um, the Jazz were a little banged up. So maybe, like, yeah, the Suns were good, but. Maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were, you know. That's a fair point. And the, and the other thing, you know, that I really enjoyed about this series, which I wasn't sure I would, uh, you know, you didn't have the two teams with the big three superstars. You had, you know, two really good players on each – one real good player. Yeah. But you, they were both teams, you yeah. know. It was just great to see the Bucks, even though you had Giannis – they just played great team ball. They played great defense. I mean, they were coached well. It was it was an enjoyable series. It was two teams that you had to root for, really. Yeah. I mean, and here's Budenholzer. Budenholzer made some good adjustments. I mean, I think the putting Drew Holiday on Chris Paul, a lot of people would be like, why wouldn't you just put him on Devin Booker? That just seems so obvious uh, in those three games where Drew Holiday ate up Chris Paul. I mean, that's Budenholzer making that adjustment, saying we're going to throw you on him, we're going to let Booker go wild, and we're still going to win. Yeah, and he was picking him up, you know, three-quarter court yeah. too, you know. Wearing him down, for sure. Yeah. Did I ever throw this – I don't even know if I ever got around to bringing this Chris Paul thing full circle, the point god. Uh, no, I think his nickname should be, like – <laughs> so, right, you have God, and then you have the Saints, right, that aren't quite God's level, but, you know, like Matt was saying, they're like the Stockton. So, I just figured his new nickname, Point Peter. Point Peter. Point St. Peter. That's kind of <laughs> how you describe Chris Paul now. I um, like that. He is one of the best point guards ever, and people are talking about now, like, is he going to stay with the Suns? Is he going to jump ship and go join the Lakers? Right. Try to, like, win one with LeBron, you know, something like that. So, I'm curious to see what he does, but, you know, I, I just – it's just crazy to see, and what the whole you threw it out last podcast. The whole the referee Scott Foster, yeah, he he was again was zero twelve in games that Foster was refereeing, and Foster was the ref for uh, for game six, and obviously lost. So that <laughs> it's, that's just wild to see. That they, now zero that- thirteen. It's crazy. I mean, I'm sure Scott Foster. I mean, if he's doing the biggest game of the year, he must be one of the best refs in the NBA. But it's just like, how do you not? see that statistic and think maybe we should just throw somebody else who's a really good ref as well <laughs> instead of him. But but it, it, I didn't think that the game the ref, the ref game was refereed poorly or I anything. I didn't either. So I, I can't necessarily blame that. Uh, but one thing about Budenholzer, he said, you know, in his post game right after the game when they were celebrating, how this culture and how basically thanks like Chris and Giannis for just letting me jump on what you guys had already built. And the reason I think that's important to know is because we talk about how likable Giannis is. I just compare him to Joel Embiid. Right, another superstar. As soon as the Sixers lost, Joel Embiid went right at Ben Simmons and said, "The reason we lost is because Ben Simmons passed up this layup, and Ben Simmons couldn't make a free throw." When the Suns were were up two zero, and when the Nets had the Bucks on the brink, and all the different times that the Bucks were looking like they were going to lose, when the Hawks were up on them, you never heard anything like that from Giannis. It, it was basically, you know, how he's got to be better, or how the whole team has to be better. And it's just, I think, man, I would love to play with this guy. 
but I definitely wouldn't want to play with a lot of these other superstars in the league, just most notably Joel Embiid. Well, 100%. Oh, I, I, at first, yeah, at first when you brought up Embiid, I thought you were going to like make the comparison that they were no. like kind of the same, and I was, was going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Because right, they couldn't almost be like more polar opposites, because yeah. right, you hear Middleton and even like Connaughton and Bobby Portis even said like he signed for less money with the Bucks in part because he wanted to play with Giannis. So, yeah, I mean, he's got his brother on the team. His brother probably wouldn't be, like, in the league anywhere else. But, yeah. you know, they, they brought his brother in to kind of be a bench player and be there to, you know, I guess maybe be like a support system for Giannis and stuff. So, I mean, they've got something going. You know, obviously yeah. the Nets with, with their big three are going to be, once they're all healthy, they'll be back in the East. And there's other teams that are coming up in the East. But it, it now it, Giannis might be wooing some other stars to go to Milwaukee. Maybe not necessarily like superstars. But some good role players. But, you know, other yeah. solid players like Mid- Middleton and stuff like that. So, you know, they might be building a little something up there in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. But I-, I was just thinking, like, I'm sure you guys saw the video today. He was like, he- he's living the dream right now. Oh, he was, uh, Chick-fil-A. At a, at a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, he was at a Chick-fil-A. He was at a Chick-fil-A on IG Live, like, ordering a 50-piece nugget. <laughs> and, like, you know, people are surrounding the car, going crazy. And I just saw right before we started recording – he just tweeted out like what's up milwaukee and it already had like twenty thousand retweets or something ridiculous it's just like this dude is i mean he he's gonna obviously still have a long career but like he's set for life in milwaukee like he is a king yeah. in that city for the rest of his life no matter what he does for the rest of his career oh, no doubt and you know when you think about the small market cities like milwaukee and detroit which we think the pistons are going to be making a major move forward with the draft coming up the deer district sixty-five thousand fans <laughs> crazy i mean you know if i was 40 years younger and it was yeah. my team, I would go do that. I couldn't – there's no way I could do that nowadays, just standing there shoulder to shoulder with everybody. Uh, a guy we've actually had on this podcast before, Noah Jacobs, for, uh, former, now retired Wisconsin runner, he went to that the Deer District, and I was kind of texting him throughout. Like He's like, yeah, this is so awesome. Or it, This is the thing that kind of caught me, made my jaw drop. He goes, maybe this is maybe five minutes after the game, he says, that was awesome. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, the party is just getting started. Where are you going? This, like, this is the one night, uh, probably in the history of forever, that Milwaukee is the mecca of partying. And they should have run piece- out of beer last yeah, night. Yeah, and that. you're piecing out right as the right as the right after they win. Like, I just you. D- now I'm saying that as I'm sitting on my couch at home eating pizza. Like, clearly I, I wasn't you know venturing out any more than he was. But still, like, if you're there, like, what the heck are you doing? Leaving right at the precipice of it. Right. Yeah, I got maybe before we tie off the NBA Finals, yeah. I, I was going to ask you guys. So, like, kind of talking about Chris Paul kind of being in the position up to a what year sixteen of his career, up two zero in the NBA Finals in the West with all those injuries that I mentioned. Um, those teams are going to be back. You got to think the Warriors are going to be back when Clay Thompson comes oh, yeah. back. Uh, the Mavs, you know, with Luca, are only going to be getting better. You would think. I mean, you, you, if you're the Suns, you got to be sitting there like, man. This is our chance in the West with all these stars hurt and with all these, you know, guys that are going to be coming back next year. We're up 2-0, and they got to just be kicking themselves. But it's just crazy to think about that. That's a fantastic no. point. They, Yeah, they, no, they're a, like, regular – they're like a playoff team now. I, I, like you said, all these teams that are retooling, CP3 is getting older – I don't see the I don't see the Suns coming back and competing. That's kind of what's so depressing about this whole CP3, how it just spiraled out of control after they were up 2-0. I don't see him coming back. But again, I thought that before, and he's proven us wrong two or three times now. But no, they, there's there's not a on maybe four, five, six years down the road, if Aiden and Booker you know reach their maximum level, maybe that's a Suns team that could compete. But in the CP3 era, I don't see it. One final uh, comment. It's, it's, it's media related on the NBA Finals and the, and the coverage. You know, we had to deal with the whole, and you and you were a company man, Matt, with the whole Rachel Nichols drama. Now Maria Taylor is out. Her uh, her last assignment was last night, and I think she's a superstar. I think she's going to be real solid wherever she ends up. Probably NBC. But I I want to just throw a positive comment out. I I didn't know too much about this Malika Andrews. But she is very solid. She was doing the post-game interviews mm-hmm. and, and doing the sideline. I don't know where she came from. I don't know anything about her background. I didn't look anything up. But uh, very impressed with that young lady. Yeah, she she killed it. And, I mean, she's going to step right in 
I mean, probably basically take over Maria's role. Maybe not into the studio host role, mm-hmm. but I think she proved herself, like you said, and she's going to be probably the main sideline reporter for the NBA and probably a bunch of other stuff for ESPN because, yeah, she, she was incredible. And I've worked with her a few times on um, the NBA productions we've done throughout the year, and she is always the one. I mean, she's one, you know, she kind of worked her way up through the ranks and like the consummate per- professional type of thing. Like, yeah. Like we were talking about, when you come in before a game or before a studio show, I know, Jared, you're you're seeing this kind of stuff too, when you're like testing all the mics and, you know, making sure everything's good and the lip sync is good and all that stuff, she's the most polite and nice and says hi to everyone, remembers the names of the producers and the directors and makes sure, like, she's not, like, a diva. And, you know, so, like, when you see that and then you see her getting the fanfare and just absolutely crushing it at the biggest stage – of the NBA Finals, it's really cool to see. So, so yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to see that for her. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know the the Bucks; they're the NBA champions. Will the Tigers be the NBA champions? Well, we'll talk or about that M- a little MLB. bit. MLB, MLB. <laughs> what did I say? NBA. Oh, <laughs> hey, they probably have about as good of a chance as the Pistons uh, without this number one pick coming in. Well, but. we'll talk a little bit about that and have some entertainment tonight. Right after this. Boogity, 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 let's go racing. The Owasso Speedway has been building families and communities through the promotion of short track racing since 1939. Saturdays are race days at the Big O with gates opening at 4. Qualifying begins at 5 with the green flag waved and racing at 7. The Owasso Speedway's 3 8 of a mile oval high banked layout is super fast, providing thrills and action galore. Easy to get onto on M21 between Owasso and Ovid. Stay up to date on upcoming features by following the Owasso Speedway on Facebook at Owasso Speedway MI. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance, no problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. All right, guys, I mean, it's, it's hard to read this Tiger team, but uh, they're hot again, and they're on a five-game winning streak since the All-Star game. They're what? Uh, they played Saturday night in front of 31,000 fans, which was just absolutely incredible to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. This is a team at 45 and 51 right as we speak. They're knocking on the wild card conversation right now. Yeah, and here's what uh, – I'm just going to throw this out. I got a – give myself some roses when they're deserved <laughs> you guys uh, i think you most notably ted and my dad were kind of on the forefront of saying akil badu you know he's a flash in the pan this guy's not going to be around i've seen this a million uh, times I didn't before say that, but go ahead he's arguably going to win the rookie al rookie of the, of the year. year yeah he's like number one in so many categories and what he does for that team just in uh kind of energy energizing the clubhouse and keeping things light and just electrifying plays like one every other game uh, just what can, more can you say about that guy? And I'm glad that we got him, and I'm making him a like a centerpiece of this Tigers team like going forward. I want him on the Tigers for the rest of his career. He, I, you're you're spot on with all that, and he really reminds me of like a Curtis Granderson type of player. Like you said, you need that like spark plug, and really after Curtis Granderson was Austin Jackson for the Tigers, and it seems like when they've been good, they've had that like you know, I keep saying spark plug, but that electrifying center fielder or like outfielder. Um, leadoff hitter that can steal bases and you know stretches doubles into triples type of thing and and stuff like that and even like I mean Miguel Cabrera he's not at his triple crown level but like he's actually playing pretty well he's driving in some runs and stuff so so no it, it's great to see and we've talked about the pitching a ton of times it, it's good to see the young pitching I know Turnbull is going to be out for the year with with the surgery that he has but so hopefully he can come back healthy but. I think the writing has to be on the wall. We've mentioned it before. Justin Verlander has to be coming back next year, right? I think I mean, I so. Think, like, I think everything is there. He's going to be a free agent. He's clearly, you know, towards the end of his career. And with the Tigers actually looking good, this is kind of like the point I'm trying to make. Like with A.J. Hinch as the manager, clearly doing an incredible job. You can make the case for him to be manager of the year. Yeah. And I, I think Verlander must be, has to be taking note, looking at this and be like, hey, this team's actually pretty good. Like I could go there and help this team out, maybe make the playoffs. Yeah, like it's it's just wild to see. 
it'd be the perfect ending to Justin Verlander's career if he could somehow come back and they even if they just get in the wild card game and lose like just get us in the playoff hunt uh next year but uh one thing that I was arguing about with somebody uh leading up to this show uh Casey Mize he's now on a you know innings restriction basically he's coming out pitching three innings uh and then basically calling it a start he pitched four the other night because he was pitching so well what's your guys' thoughts on that I'll be the first one to say I love it no need to burn this guy out. Give him a few innings. He's shown that he's a star. He's going to be a star for a long time to come. Yes, this team is exciting now. Yes, they're making a push toward the playoffs. Let's save him. for if, if this innings restriction means we get one or maybe even two more years at the end of his career of solid pitching, I'm all for it. We don't need him right now. We need him in three, four years when we're legitimately making a push for the World Series. Yeah. Let me, let me get my thoughts out because I know, Ted, I'm, I'm sure you've got definitely some thoughts on this. I mean, because you remember the days of basically no inning restriction. Bob gets got Bob Gibson and Nolan Ryan and stuff pitching complete games every single day. It seemed like right. I, I'm kind of like I, I, I'm 100 percent on board with what you're saying, Jared. Like they're not winning the World Series this year, and seeing what just happened to Turnbull, like you don't want to blow Casey Mize's arm out, or seeing like what happened with Steven Strasburg, you know, yeah. like a while ago. Maybe they like worked him a little too hard early in his year, and he's had multiple surgeries. So. No, I, I'm I'm cool with them, you know, doing the innings restriction. Sometimes I feel like they treat pitchers with, like, baby gloves a little too much, like especially, like, leaving them in the minors for, like, five years before they bring them up to the big club. So, like, I'm kind of down the middle. But I, I do – I do agree. Like, there's no reason to stretch them out this year. They're not going to the World Series, so I get it. Yeah, and I've come around. I mean, in the old days, you're exactly right. I mean, pitchers would pitch complete games. I heck, Mark Fidrich pitched, I think, 19 complete games. And led to injury. His, I know. It, well, his injury was from shag and fly balls in the oh, outfield, really? but that was a, <laughs> that's a whole different story. But I, I don't disagree with some restrictions on these young guys, especially if they haven't spent a ton of time in the minors. You know, if they spent four or five years really mastering their craft and then being brought up with their arm all strengthened, then it may be a little different story. But between Scooble and Mize, they're still really young, you know, and they're bringing up some other arms they're going to have. So I'm okay with it. I think three innings, I don't know. I probably could, I would probably have more of a, Try to let him go four or five innings. If you go five innings, at least you you can get a decision. You know what yeah. I mean. But I can see where they're watching him, and I'm all for it too. We want to we want to protect these arms as much as possible because let's face it, they're the they're the future right there. You know. And and then one other guy that I just think has to get no scope. He's been yeah. ball, he's been balling lately. Something about him just cracks me up. He does not look like an athlete at all. He's got the <laughs> my favorite thing that baseball players will do like. He's got the one top button undone. I just think that's a class, that's like just a classic move. Like I'm almost out here, like just relaxing, like whatever, I, who, whatever I do, who cares? Uh, so I just love scope. Uh, so I just had to throw his name out there as well, just as somebody to circle. That's what, been what's, a key factor of this team. What's the scuttlebutt in the uh, in the uh, Bally offices there? I mean, you must hear uh, a lot of your coworkers really talking about the Tigers, huh? What, they the are process? they. So they were the worst. Of the, like think about the last four or five years. A lot of my coworkers. That's like long about how long they've been there. The worst four or five years in Detroit sports history. Yeah. Um, now they have just something to root for. I think that's kind of what everybody, and we're seeing it a lot with Detroit, but these people that work inside Valley Sports who uh, had to watch every single game the last four or five years of these teams, they're all just like through the moon excited that we finally have something that people are tuning into and people are loving. So I think that they just are through the moon excited. Make, makes the job a lot more fun yeah. for sure. Uh, one final question on baseball, boys, and I, I think you know where I stand on this, uh, the All-Star game and the uniforms. Well, let's let's do it. Let's do a double thing: All Star Game and uniforms. And what do you think about this uh, the, the home run derby uh, format that they have nowadays? Yeah, I think. I, well, I know Jared, you tweeted out um, about the home run derby. Yeah, I don't get why they made the whole time thing. It's kind of like the dunk contest is played with stuff like that. Like the dunk contest, a little different. Like you don't want a guy missing twenty seven dunks before yeah. he actually hits one. So that's a little different. But when you see uh, Shohei Otani just get absolutely gassed because he you know he wasn't ready to just take 30 cuts in 2 minutes or whatever yeah. that's what makes it like a little why are you doing this just Stupid. give him 10 out you know and that's fine like i, I don't know why they played with that but the the uniforms i just i i laugh the, when so many people get so 
bent out of shape about the uniforms. And, you know, I love all the look, talking about alternate uniforms and, like, you know, Michigan football maybe have some, having some alternate uniforms. But to me, like, the all-star game is the time to play with it. Yeah. Like, I, I know it's classic for baseball. Not in baseball. Let them wear their home and away uniforms for the all-star game. But if you're going to play with it and do something crazy and do something ridiculous, it's, it's the all-star game. And so it didn't bother me. I actually kind of liked them. I, I thought they looked like – 1920s baseball uniforms or something, so it didn't bother me. I thought they were cool. Uh, I can see both sides. Here's here's a perfect compromise. Give them the cool jerseys, have them all wear their normal baseball hats. I think that's a fair compromise to me. I think that's cool. I thought the jerseys were cool this year, but I do also, it also was, like, I could see the point people were saying, like, I don't know who the heck these guys play for. And so... Just give them the normal hats. I, well, I totally disagree with both of you guys. If you want to wear the alternate uniforms, wear them in the home run derby or wear them in batting practice. It's ridiculous that they don't wear their home team, home or visiting uniforms for the All-Star game, for crying out loud. I mean, if you see a Tiger walk up to the plate or you see uh, an Oakland A, you know who it is. Yeah. You know, when you're wearing these silly uniforms. And frankly, I'm going to tell you, I will go old school on this a little bit. Do you really find marketing to to be that big a thing in baseball that they had to change the jerseys for the All-Star game? I'm not so much against it for having alternate jerseys in college football or basketball or the NBA. I'm not that much against it. I guess I dig the line in for baseball. I mean, it's such a tradition to see the different uniforms of each team in the All-Star game, and it just totally turned me off watching that. I, I will say because it is like the one sport where you can pretty much everyone can wear their own uniform. It is kind of cool, like that. Like they're all wearing different uniforms on right. the field, and it doesn't really matter. But I have no problem with them wearing All Star Game uniforms. Some different. It's baseball's a little too old school in a lot of ways. Uh, if this is one of the maybe the good old school things that they got rid of, I'm okay with it being uh, a casualty. What do you think the poll would be? I mean, would it be young guys like you that would say, "Yeah, that's okay," and you know, old geezers like me saying, "This." It's not. If, you put, if you threw this poll out. I think it would get minimal votes. Like, it, I just like don't nobody think people, cares. Yeah, no one cares, really. You know, Other than the All old right, geezers like you who are, yeah, I mean, do you have a strong opinion, so I can respect that on it. But it's, yeah. at the end of the day, dude, it's some jerseys, and it's jerseys they wear once every year. Yeah, just stupid. All right, we'll, we'll take a short break here and uh, talk a little entertainment. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. All right, go ahead, Jared. I know you talked about it in the open about uh, Space Jam. Lay so you guys haven't line. seen it. Can I, let me just throw this out there. I do you guys honestly care about spoilers? The movie was horrible. You no, shouldn't care about spoilers. I don't care, Matt. Yeah, no, I, I may not even watch it to be honest. With you. Uh, okay, so uh, like I said at the very top, you know, you know it's bad when I maybe LeBron's biggest fan of all time. Uh, am just so out on it. Let me just start with the acting. Here's what was so d- disappointing about LeBron. It was like he put on, like, it's almost like they put a microchip in his brain and, like, had him just be like a robot. And what sucks about that is we know LeBron can act. That's what's crazy. Yeah. We've seen him in Trainwreck, Amy Schumer movie, uh, underrated comedy flick. That I think he's really good, and he's really funny in that movie. He was good in that. We've seen him in commercials uh, where he's playing, you know, four or five, like, the one commercial that sticks out to me where he's, like, the five different versions of LeBron, like, the old guy, the kid, the, you know, playboy. Like, it, he was great in those commercials. So we know he can act. And part of it is, one, the lines in this movie were just unbelievably cheesy. Like, so cheesy and, like, on the nose, like, with the lessons they were trying to get across to the viewers that it just, like, took you out of it within the first ten minutes of the movie. Like I said, very first three minutes, that montage, awesome cartoon, sweet graphics, everything was awesome. 
from there, basically the plot of this movie is uh, LeBron's son is uh, and it's and basically LeBron's came out and said that basically it is like kind of a little parody of his own life where his son Bryce, you know, is like quote unquote a nerd. Uh, who's like big into video games and all this stuff, whereas, you know, Bronny Jr. is the super famous one who's the star basketball player. But basically, LeBron's son in this is a video game lover. He doesn't really love basketball. He, LeBron's trying to force basketball onto him, and he just wants to play video games. He's uh, He made this video game. You know, he's super talented in video games. Somewhere along the lines, they get swept up into this computer, and Don Cheadle is the algorithm that can basically control it, and he's basically saying, like, we're going to have a bunch of live viewers and you're going to LeBron, you're going to play in a basketball game that you have no shot of winning. Cause I can control it. Let me just throw this out there. The Looney tunes. This, this movie was made for kids and for people who are sitting there like judging me because like, dude, you're not a kid. Like this movie was made for kids. Like you're a loser for giving this review. I don't know who this movie was made for. There was so many like game of Thrones jokes and you know, like adult level jokes, sort of like what space jam was like as well that I think it was a little bit made for adults and a little bit made for kids. You know, perfect family movie. Like, Ted would go see it with his granddaughters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no problem with rating this movie poorly because it just the, – the there wasn't even basketball in the movie. So this is hard to explain, but the way they would score points was, quote-unquote, style points uh, in this game where essentially, like, you could score 1,000 points in one bucket. Uh, so you never felt like the, the Toon Squad was going to lose. But the Looney Tunes – since this movie is made for kids, why did we go Looney Tunes route? Nobody cares about the Looney Tunes anymore. No one my age cares about the Looney Tunes. No one 10 years old cares about the Looney Tunes. Like, if they really wanted to make this for kids, it should have been SpongeBob SquarePants at Point Guard, Patrick Starr at Shooting Guard, and, you know, Little Einsteins at the, the, the front court. It shouldn't have been Bugs Bunny and I don't even know who – I don't know who half these guys even are. I do like Daffy Duck. But, like, it's like Foghorn, Redhorn, or so. I don't even know who these guys Foghorn, are. Foghorn, Loghorn. I don't even know who these guys are. So it's time to just move on from the Looney Tunes, like, kind of obsession that, for some reason, this country thinks we have, even though I think the last time we even heard about them was Space Jam 1. <laughs> uh, so that's just beside the point. The soundtrack, if you remember Space Jam 1, all-time soundtrack. I don't care who you are. Maybe the best soundtrack that's ever been on a, a film in general. Uh, this one was all right. Uh, it just, I mean, number one comparison, I'll just say, Space Jam 1 has Jay-Z on the soundtrack. This one has Bad Bunny, which I don't even know if you know who that is. I've heard of it. I don't even know if Matt knows who that is. He's, I really don't even know what he does. Uh, so that's problem number one with that. But overall, just not a great flick. LeBron's acting, not great. It just Is it the first ever three-point podcast, zero, or it's what? A, I think it's a, there are a couple, like, good parts to it, right? Like, but I honestly can't recommend it to anyone. I, I, it's right. not worth your time. It's just going to anger you and make you wonder how they made this, why this was hyped up. The funniest thing about it is the lead-up that's been like the last two or three years for LeBron. Like, oh, he's going to Los Angeles to make Space Jam. Like, he's going to the Lakers to make movies. This movie was horrible. Hmm. This movie is your, like, passion project. The last, like, three years was horrible. Wow. And LeBron is sort of like, I wonder if he doesn't have enough people, like, sort of checking him where I seriously think he thinks that he, like, knocked this movie out of the park. And that maybe is what irritates me the most about it. It just flat out wasn't good. Now, was this was this HBO Max? Yes, that's and where I was able to free? watch it. Is it free? Yes. Oh, okay. So I'd be real disappointed if I paid to see it. And you did watch it to the end. You all know what I actually did? This got money. I watched the first, like, maybe 20 minutes, right. and me and my dad were watching it together, and I basically said, like, you want me to just skip to the basketball scene? <laughs> and that's what I did. I skipped maybe the f- middle 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> the last basketball scene is about an hour long. I made it about – watched the first, like, 10 minutes of the basketball scene, and then I ended up skipping to the maybe the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> and le- the one last complaint I have. So Bugs Money ends up basically sacrificing himself uh, at the end <laughs> for them to win this basketball game. What a script. And – just two minutes later, he's just back alive. They never explained how he's alive. He said something like, I'm a tune. I never die or something like that. And it's just like a lot of people do that. A lot of shows do that. A lot of movies do that. But I don't know. It's just maybe they should have just had Bugs Bunny be the end of his life right then and there. But I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Like, got, are you what any questions? I got to be honest. I mean, that that's a pretty legitimate review. It is. Except for the fact that you, you didn't even watch the whole movie. Matt, dude, it's a, mean, two you, hours long. Even if it. No, like even if it's as as bad as it was, you didn't even watch the whole movie. Like maybe you skipped over some of the parts that you would have been like, oh, "Okay, this is funny," or no. like, "This is actually really interesting." Matt, I no, promise. I feel like I gotta take your review with a grain of salt. You can't. I promise you can't. If you if you could somehow sit there and watch this from start to finish, wow, that's like the ultimate test of like that's like a marathon, <laughs> a mental marathon, because it's that bad. I will. Like, I will th- say. I, I wonder if you know. 
it, obviously it had a ton of hype because of Space Jam 1 and everything and LeBron doing this. want to basically do the same movie just with LeBron. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throw in some other NBA stars, have the Looney Tunes, and you know LeBron wins the game or whatever. Maybe they like tried too much to like go same theme, you know, because it is Space Jam, but like completely different script and everything like that. Like maybe they strayed too far away, but who knows? Maybe we're all just cynical too, because the the Space Jam one was the first time like an NBA superstar was in a movie with cartoon characters, so that kind of like set the bar. But yeah, I, I can't say that I'm running out to watch this movie anytime soon. Uh, me neither, and I usually will be game for anything, especially if it's free. But I probably won't add this to just my list. It. Honestly, you gotta just for should, should I do you it? Gotta I just give check it, it out? Shot. Just okay. give it a shot and let me know how far you get. Right. I guarantee it's it's a, the over under of total watch time twenty minutes. Fair enough. Um, one last thing I'll I'll throw out just um, Space Jam One had so much heart. I feel like this just didn't. <laughs> like, and I know I'm the only one that's seen it, so you guys can't really you know do a give and take on it. But Space Jam One, you had the scenes like the very opening scene is one I always think of. Michael Jordan and his dad. This is right after his dad died. You know, it's him as a kid shooting buckets, and I don't remember what the lesson his dad told him then, but it was just a good scene. Uh, and then you have like the Wayne Knight character in <laughs> Space Jam One. You know, the scene of Michael Jordan coming off the spaceship for the baseball game at the very end. You know, I believe I can fly in the background. Like, just a lot, like Bill Murray, like Larry Bird, the Charles Barkley scenes. Like, there just was a lot of, like, good to that movie that kind of had you overlook some of the, some clearly, of the like, the fact there really wasn't much of a storyline to it. Just basically was a basketball game. But I don't know. It just, Space Jam 2 just did not have that whatsoever. And the worst part about it, LeBron's acting. I wish I could say that he was the lone bright spot in this movie. He wasn't. He was one of the, the detractors. Wow. Well, that is, that is one of the most uh, detailed reviews you've ever given on this segment. <laughs> And for watching half a movie. How about you, Matt? What do you what do you got going on on Tedertainment tonight? Yeah, so I, I think you brought it up a week or two ago or a few weeks ago that uh, ABC did a two-part, I guess you can call it a documentary, a miniseries on Mike Tyson. Yeah. It's called The Knockout. And, yeah, so it's it was on Hulu. I'm sure you can get it other places. But we finally got to it. I've been wanting to watch it. I think we've, we've talked about Mike Tyson unboxing a ton. And... I don't know if it's a generational thing, but, like, if you grew up, you know, during the heyday of Mike Tyson, I think everyone is interested in his story. And all, all this did, I mean, because I've, I've watched a bunch of, you know, maybe mini documentaries or other things or read articles about Mike Tyson and stuff. So a lot of the stuff in this documentary I already kind of knew. Maybe they went into some, like, more detail or had some, like, behind-the-scenes footage. And that was the coolest thing was a, a ton of the behind-the-scenes footage of him training when he was only, like, 18 years old, when he, you know, got taken to, you know, where he went to live for a while with his foster parents and stuff. So that stuff was really cool to see. But all it did to me, I mean, it is his story. I want to see, like, a 12-part documentary on his life. I want, like, a deeper dive into his life, more details and stuff, because I don't know, like I said, if it's a generational thing or what, but his life story is so super intriguing yeah. to me and just how, like, just a, a, maybe the worst upbringing, upbringing you can even imagine and the way that, he, like, boxing kind of got him out of it, but how, like, so many, like, uh, parental figures in his life, you know, kind of, like, passed away or kind of let him down and then how, like, his life just got so extravagant and then obviously, you know, the boxing stuff with the Vander Holyfield and everything and, now how he's kind of turned his life around and stuff like I, just like an incredibly intriguing yeah story, life story to me so yeah if, if anyone if you haven't watched it, it's only two parts i mean they're an hour and a half each so i mean it's three hours worth of uh television i guess but highly highly recommend watching it even if you're just a casual like mike tyson or boxing fan no nope. I, I agree you uh, you he needs a last dance is what he needs uh, i mean lebron needs one he needs one I, those are probably number one and two on my list, to be honest. Of people that we need to see a long form documentary on. Yeah, makes sense. And they got enough. Yeah, this, they, they got enough video and film on yeah. it too. Yeah, this it was almost like this. It was incredible. It was very well done. It was very good. So I'm not knocking it, but this was almost like it was like a like a teaser type of thing. Like because it was really good, but I was like, man, I kind of want more. I want some more details because you know, like when it's only a two parter, every like stage of his life, you can only kind of hit on it a little yeah. bit. It's kind of like, oh, I want, like, give me more on that story or whatever. So, so I highly recommend that. And then the other thing I was going to bring up is 
the the Jackass trailer that finally came out, Jackass Four or Jackass Forever, what they're calling it. <laughs> um, I am so I told you guys before we started recording, so pumped for this. I know Jackass is in everyone's cup of tea. I wonder if Ted, because you were you're older when Jackass came out, so maybe you thought this stuff was just ridiculous. Jared, obviously you were super young when Jackass came out, so you may not have even seen it. But uh, I told you guys, like Jackass, when it was at its heyday was when I was in high school and college. And I'm telling you, it was appointment television, yep. and it was back before, like, iPhones, and everyone had, like, camera phones and stuff like that. So you had to have, like, an actual camcorder, basically. But we would go out and do jackass stuff. We would go out and say, like, hey, hey, this is Matt, and I'm going to jump off this building or, like, do stupid <laughs> stuff like that. Like, it, I can't even, like, put into words how big jackass was for, like, my generation. I'm sure it wasn't probably a lot of people didn't like it or whatever but so funny and to see these dudes like come back and like get back together and johnny knoxville is just hilarious yeah. to me and to see like and steve-o obviously has turned his life around so it's cool to see that um I, i'm so pumped for it i mean I, I said it before the two probably three funniest well I, I would put it definitely all top five funniest movie theater experiences of my life are seeing the jackass movies in the theaters just everyone rolling and laughing, so I'm pumped to see this. <laughs> Some of the biggest laughs you'll ever get watching, uh, just like TV or movies in general, are those like the real life. Like I just think of Bad Trip, a movie that I'm sure you guys probably haven't seen, but Eric Andre, who's a really popular comedian, I saw that kid. one. Like some of the stuff that you get from just the natural reactions are some of the biggest laughs you'll ever have. But Sa- no, Sasha Baron Cohen. Too. I, yeah, I grew. Yeah, exactly. Borat. Uh, I grew up. No, Matt. I grew up watching jackass not i actually was brought on to them and again i probably should not have been watching this when i was a five six, seven year old kid wild boys they had a show on mtv called well, wild older brothers so. which was essentially basically jackass but a tv show uh but no I, it holds a close personal spot in my heart actually jackass number three i think it was like jackass 3d or something came out like maybe 2010 yeah. first date i ever went on with a girl was to see that movie and i was maybe sixth grade is r-rated again probably shouldn't have been seeing it but somehow some way i was in the theater watching it so yeah, you brought me up, uh, brought my name up about thinking maybe it was ridiculous. I, I did think it was ridiculous, but hilariously entertaining. I mean, I yeah. watched the I watched the MTV one, I watched the movies, and I'll, I'll watch this one as well. I did see one highlight. I don't know if I saw it on Twitter or what, but Steve O, somebody shot dog shit in his ear <laughs> with a shotgun, with and he, he it blew out his eardrum or something. <laughs> Count me in. Oh, yep. man, it, that's what I mean. Like, just such ridiculous stuff. I like the clip of them shooting Johnny Knoxville out of a cannon. Yeah. Like, and just, like, I don't know, this stuff, it's just so funny to me. I know it's not, like, everyone's humor. There's probably people who think it's just stupid. It's but, Three Stooges stuff. Man, it, it, I just crack up. Like I said, some of the hardest times I've ever laughed watching this stuff. No. So it'll be funny to see yeah. these dudes as whatever. 45-year-olds doing this stuff or however old they are. Yeah, I always like uh, – it always cracks me up whenever I put myself in this mind frame watching this stuff. Like, what if I was there, like, what are these bystanders, like, watching it? Like, no I just kidding. think the one one that always cracks me up, it's not even, like, that funny, but it's, like, Johnny Knoxville dressed up in, like, the grandpa, and it's, like, just some hot girl, and they're just, like, making out, like, on the side. Like, I just imagine, like, me walking by, like, what in the world's going on here? Uh, but, yeah, just classic all-time flicks. Cannot wait for that movie. Normally I get a little long-winded in this segment, but you guys had the spotlight we'll leave it there i'll just tell you this i did see the tomorrow war did you guys see that no it's uh, it's pretty good chris pratt uh it's a science fiction thing had a couple good twists all those movies kind of are relatively the same you've heard me say that before but i thought this was really well done so if you get a chance watch tomorrow war and then i'll just end it with uh you know i like my rock and roll bands i saw the uh, two-part documentary on the band kiss it's called kistory it was on a and e Highly well worth checking it out, especially guys a little older than you, but I think you would enjoy it too because we all like our documentaries and seeing bands start out, seeing Kiss, how they started out with the makeup, how they got together, how they went through all their trials and tribulations. It was was really well done. So Kistory on A&E, that's my my final thing for here tonight. We'll save some other ones I had, uh, including Ted Lasso returns this week. So I got a feeling I'll be binge watching that. Something coming up that I just saw that I'm very excited about. Netflix, Malice in the Palace, uh, documentary oh, coming next month. So wait. I think we got to do a three point podcast review of that when it drops. Yeah, maybe we can really? even maybe we can even reach out to somebody that was involved. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, 
I hadn't seen that. I, I'd be curious to see like who put it together, who made it. Yeah. yeah, I just saw like who knows. I mean, it could be false, I guess, but I just saw it maybe right when I was walking into the studio on Facebook that basically this is coming next month. No, oh, we're checking that one out for sure. All right, boys, another good podcast, Matt. I know you got four thirty uh, alarm clock duty. In, enjoy, <laughs> yeah. enjoy the. Is it press conferences continuing on? Is that what you got going? Yep, all day tomorrow, media days. I think three or four more coaches tomorrow. So, wow. yep. And Jared, before I let you go, uh, you know we could have talked about it in entertainment. How uh, depressed were you? You weren't able to go to faster horses. Depressed. I will say a little selfishly, kind of one thing that kind of cracks me up is when I was at Faster Horses. I always thought like, man, everyone who's not here is like everyone's eyes are on us. Like they <laughs> wish they were here. Faster Horses came and went this weekend, and I, you almost didn't even know what happened. Right, which is kind of what's funny about it. But when you were in it, you felt like you were the pinnacle of the universe. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they had a pretty good uh, weekend, even though they had one night was torrential rain but yeah. uh that seems like that always happens that happened that. that's happened to me i've been yeah. there all right we'll call it a show everybody we appreciate you tuning in uh, follow us on social media at three point pod let our partners know you listen in they do include advanced elevator the als association of michigan corona connection jj's excavating and tree service kendall's drugs in corona brand new on board you want to welcome them hankered sportswear the owasso speedway rivals tap house and grill nelson house funeral homes sheridan auction service success group mortgage and servicing and z92.5 the castle for jared fatel and matt burns i'm ted fatel saying until next time so long everyone Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan Chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.